Hello, hello, one, two. Hi, this is the first of a bunch of episodes I'm releasing in one day. Because I'll either be on tour when you hear this or about to go on tour or have just been on tour, something like that, I'm definitely not going to have the time to watch all the movies that I need to make a proper episode. And as the regular listeners know, these episodes tend to be split into two parts and they roll on for about five hours. So if you woke up this morning expecting to hear the first part of 1973, many apologies to you. That will be happening on the 1st of September. And and yes, it gets worse. I'll be on holiday in October. So that month, I'll be doing the same thing. But then I will be back the following month. I promise. I just don't want to bring you lot that have been so good to me, so kind and like so faithful and telling your friends about the show and things like that. I don't want to bring you lot half ass stabs at those big episodes so I'm not going to do it instead I've just taken a bunch of my favorite chats that I've already included in those long-winded episodes I just mentioned I've pulled them out straight out of context anyone can now listen to these individually I think there's going to be maybe eight of them going up today so have a look on the front cover if you like it click play many apologies again enjoy In 1996, director Hisayasu Saito put together a splatter-fueled gore-fest that actually contained a story. Sure, the film features some of the most completely disgusting scenes that I've ever seen within its 76-minute running time, and I mean, some of those contents are actually a first for me. It is proper gross. But when you boil it all down, there is a three-part act structure here and a satisfying ending to boot. And I love that along with this, there are a few dead ends and a couple of, "Eh, what the fuck are you doing moments as well. Overall, I really enjoyed it. It's really good. Sorta. Maybe it's not for you, but it definitely was for me. My number five pick is this Japanese adrenaline shot splatter naked blood. (laughs) A scientist taints his mother's specific experiment with his own drug that transforms pain into a pleasurable experience. Unfortunately for three women involved in the experiment, the drug works a little bit too well. Ah, I'm just so good at these letterbox synopsises. I'm just too good. Right, I'm still thinking about this one to this day. Here's my thoughts on it. First off, I've looked at the director's other movies on Letterboxd, and I'll be honest, there's a couple of obvious horror ones there, but there is also about 40 or so that look like straight-up pornos. 
And after checking out another one of his 1996 movies, earlier on I spoke about it, called Night of Bodies Model, I don't think I'll be bothering with any more. It just seems like a lot. It seems like a lot. And I'm not going to go into too much detail right now because we are going to go straight ahead into my chat with Zoe Rose Smith, a.k.a. Zobo with a shotgun. Our chat here is chock full of spoilers, but it is a really good chat. So maybe head over to YouTube and give this one a watch first. And at the release of this podcast, YouTube is the only place where you can find this movie at all. I say at all, you may already have that DVD in your collection. If so, I'm well jealous, but I digress. Uh, Now, Zoe is the editor-in-chief at Ghouls Magazine, and Ghouls Magazine describes itself as thus. Horror, through a female perspective, we are badass babes that have something to say on the gory genre. My personal feelings with this is that I've been on the website a lot recently. There are some great reads on there. There is loads of content on there. It constantly gets updated. I think she's put together such a great team. I'm proper keen to see where this is going to go from here. But for now, here we go. This is Zoe and myself yakking on about splatter naked blood. Hello, Zobo. How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. How are you doing? I'm really excited about talking to you about this. It's when I get other podcasters on, people that I'm hearing all the time that I'm just most excited about. Like, yeah, ridiculous. I feel like when you get two podcasters together, though, it's just like there's a lot to talk about because we're both like, (laughs) yes, definitely. Well, I'm going to kick off with your podcast where I discovered you, Zobo with a Shotgun. I just came across it. Uh, I typed in extreme films because I I wanted to get a pen to paper and get a list going of what I was missing out on. And there you were, like one of the first picks. What a show. Like, it filled up my diary of films that I, I wanted to see. And also, you explained how far your line was, which didn't seem to really exist. But from that, <laughs> I knew, right, okay, that's too far for me. I can give this one a go. Um, what yeah. was the general reaction to the podcast? Uh, people have been really receptive to it, actually. Um, I guess I guess there's not that much like out there on extreme cinema. Um, and when I started the podcast, and obviously I've got a bit quiet with it recently, but I am... I have got uh, some new episodes lined up to come very soon. Uh, Yeah, when I started with the podcast, there there really wasn't that much out there. And I think as well, um, being a woman as well, that that helped, uh, you know, having a a woman's voice talking about these really messed up movies. Um, And yeah, I was just like, you know what, I... I did it for myself really because I was like I'm constantly researching looking at these films I was like maybe there might be some other weirdos out there that might be interested to see um you know how many nasty films there are out there and surprisingly there was way more than I expected (laughs) my cutoff is the the killing of actual animals that's the, the mm. thing that I can't go to everything else I can yep. for, formulate an opinion of and I can see right was that rape necessary to to go that far 
and, yeah you know and things like that and I find it really interesting in the, the whole plethora of horror I love the, the nuance uh, and when directors mm-hmm. get it right, I love that so much. And it it really gets me excited about cinema. For instance, a couple of days ago, I saw Martyrs for the very first time. Oh, and wow. blown my socks off. It was so good. <laughs> and and yeah, that that's a film that specifically just got it so right. But a couple of yeah. days before I saw uh, I Spit on Your Grave, the remake, and not so much so mm-hmm. your podcast really makes for a good like this is where I can start where the hell can I go from here and then you're just filling in all these blanks it's fantastic it's really important for someone that's like I think a, a newbie to the whole thing just to like bed in with it go from episode one and just continue on so I'm so glad you're continuing it as well I must admit Yes, I am. I'm going to be um, I've actually recorded about 10 episodes now I just uh, just need wow. to edit them that's uh that's the bit I'm very slow at but we're going to be looking at um new French extremity films so uh all of the the accompanying pieces to martyrs so maybe actually you might find some extra ones to watch in there <laughs> I, I hope so yeah I really do oh that's uh, that's got me excited um, I, I, I guess the reason you've stopped is because you've got this new magazine coming out or or, or out Ghouls Mag I am um quite excited about it because it's not just all new content like I loved going over the Hannibal season one uh, sort of retrospective that that's on there and yeah. also I love that there is no men involved by the <laughs> looks of it at all this is a complete stack of like female views and yeah it's really exciting there's nothing again nothing like that out there like how did you come up with this idea I mean, to be honest, like, uh, it kind of, it's been a long time coming. I think when I was at uni, uh, I was speaking to a, a journalist there and he, I think he planted an unconscious seed a long time ago uh, where he said to me, you know, there's not that many female voices in the film industry in general especially when it comes to like critics um and then he was like you know what what's your niche and I kind of went oh I like horror and he went yep that's niche and then I went oh I like extreme horror and he went well you probably do very well there um so then you know like after the kind I guess it's over maybe like the last 10 years um that I've been kind of in this sphere which seems like a very long time um but I started noticing like, you know, there was a need and a want for like more and more female voices, especially on horror, because I think there's so many horror films that actually deal a lot with, you know, women's issues. I mean, something like I Spit on Your Grave. Um, for me, that's, you know, that's a really empowering movie. Um, but I saw a couple of very famous male film critics kind of saying it was demeaning and it was, you know, horrible towards women and no woman would ever like this movie and I was like hang on a second I was like I actually bloody love this movie and I think it kind of stemmed from that where I was like hmm I was like I wonder if other women also love this movie and I spoke to um a couple of people like BJ Colangelo and Alexandra Helen Nicholas who are also like you know female critics and they love films like I Spit on Your Grave, Irreversible, you know, these really quite hard hitting films. And then I was just like, 
maybe there's something in this um and then of course lockdown came around and I was like I'm bored out of my mind I need something else to do uh and I was like let's let's try and make Girls Magazine happen and uh yeah I mean probably the only positive I'll I'll take out of of lockdown you know being stuck inside is that like you have as well we've been able to find creativity in other ways and uh yeah, I knew lots of amazing uh, women and non-binary writers in the horror industry. And I was like, does anyone want to get involved? L surprisingly, lots of people like, yeah, would love to get involved. And uh, yeah, Ghouls Magazine was kind of born out of that. So very happy with uh, what, what happened in the end. As I say, it's very refreshing to see it. And it's odd because I think being part of like the heavy metal scene and and the way yeah. that's reported on that's a very it's got very similar problems uh, yeah. where it's so male orientated whenever you do hear uh, a female voice it's it's not just refreshing it's really eye-opening because yeah you're just sitting there in your own little world and then all of a sudden it's like check yourself like <laughs> like, like you just said it's like yeah how dare that man say oh, a woman would never like this you know how, right like, who did you ask <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I, I get that and as I say over over the recent years metal scenes sort of coming together I work yeah. with a lot of women myself and I find that again just so liberating and so eye-opening um love that but I'm so happy to see that now in the horror community as well because some of those message boards I come on they're so toxic and so horrible and yeah yeah it's really refreshing so I just want to say thank you so much again for this you picking <laughs> my boxes <laughs> my pleasure <laughs> <laughs> well before going to the film I just want to know where this uh, where your plans for Ghouls Mag's going to go like what what ideas have you got for the future I've got many ideas always not not always good ones but you know um sometimes very random uh, at the moment we're we're focusing obviously on lots of great content we've got um some really awesome editorials in the works by the writers which uh yeah, I mean, I feel very lucky to be able to to read them all. I'm like, ooh, right. you know, it's quite exciting. Uh, but we're also going to be doing virtual monthly events. Um, so this month, we haven't announced it yet, but we're going to have um, a panel event, uh, which will be announced very soon on a film that's celebrating its fifth uh, anniversary. Then going forward, we'll have yeah virtual monthly event that everyone can come and watch. It'll be panelists. We've got oh, Q and A's with directors lined up, um, roundtable discussions. I'm also looking at maybe doing uh, a couple of watch alongs and get drunk nights because on the last one I I got everyone doing shots at one a.m. which was fun on a on a Zoom virtual Zoom. Um, and then I guess the the ambition for the future is obviously to get the event offline as well um, I'd love to be able to host some in central London uh, and get lots of people that are UK based which is sad because we can't I mean unless anyone wants to fly over but I probably wouldn't suggest spending all that money um, yeah like in-person events would be amazing and then the goal with Ghouls one day is to hopefully uh, turn it into a print magazine but we'll see I'm gonna you know let's see how things go <laughs> uh, 
that that would be so good. I would love to go to a show somewhere in London, even like a a small place like the Black Heart or something like that. Everyone can get back together and just like just go for it. What a show that would be, and also record it, podcast done. Exactly, can be the whole bonanza, you know, horror. Maybe can even get some uh, heavy metal going as well. Imagine a little dingy heavy metal place in in Camden would be would be the dream. Too right. Too right. <laughs> right, we got to get into this film. Um, we have yes. So splatter. I don't know anything about this title as well. Splatter naked blood. It's, uh, I was trying to uh, draw the connections between this, but um, uh, having looked at the director's titles of his other movies, I was like, I don't think he has any rhythm or rhyme to the titles. I think he literally just goes, let's put some words together. That'll do. (laughs) It enticed me in, so I guess it worked. Like, but bizarre title for a film that, like, I, I don't know if it matches the the t- even the tone of the film. I guess there's, and I guess maybe we'll come on to it, but I guess there's one scene where there is blood splattered and there's naked people. So that's my only kind of reasoning. But it does seem like if, you, if that was the way that all films were named, we could have a lot of very bizarre film names out there. <laughs> like, very oh, weird. <laughs> I would love that. That'd be good. From our previous conversation, like, you hadn't seen this one yet. And I would have thought instantly, that's why I came to you, because I thought, oh, you'll know all about this. <laughs> I, I take it you'd heard of it before, but just never got around to it. Yeah, so actually um, I was going to watch it. So last year I did a movie marathon um, during lockdown uh, to raise some money for for charity. And it was a a Cat 3 uh, movie marathon, which I can tell you now is a really, really bad idea. Um, (laughs) But I went for it anyway. And Splatter Naked Blood was on my original list. Uh, But then I decided to switch it out for uh, one of the directors, and I'm calling him director because I don't want to brutalise his name, which I will. (laughs) Um, And actually, I heard you talking on one one of your episodes um, earlier about at least trying to learn the name. And I did look it up and go, and then I was like, that's too insulting to try it. So um, the director... Yeah, I I swapped it out for another of his films, which is uh, Lolita Vibrator Torture. So I decided to watch that one (laughs) instead of this. And let me tell you, I mean, they're both strange films for sure. Very strange films. Blimey. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I think that's another one for my list. Uh, Tick. Wow. Okay. This one... the premise for this one it seems simple enough. It it doesn't seem absolutely crazy. And it's one of the only ones of this style that I found after watching it that actually there's A, B, C, D, you know, it, it works like a film. Yeah. Uh, and that impressed me, just having that much impressed me. But what, <laughs> the, what was in the content is still sticking with me now. But we'll start off with, there's a test group. We've got three ladies, and the, these ladies all have characteristics. Then, then two of them aren't really explored very well, but uh, no. sort of, And then we have a, a son who, very very clever young man 
who wants to do his own tests and then infects, should we say, his mother's experiments with his own. So that's the kickoff. And then yep. things go crazy. <laughs> what what did you think of this initial setup? Were you game? I was game. I actually thought it was quite um quite an interesting set up for a film of of this nature uh i think like one of the reasons i was happy to kind of exclude it off that list when i did first because i was like uh, not sure it's gonna not sure it's gonna like have enough to it whether it's going to be shocking enough or if it's going to have like any kind of plot to it um so I was, I was quite pleasantly surprised when we kind of got set up and we had you know like a good amount of different characters and you had the son you know and and him building this this drug that he was infecting them with I thought I was like okay I can see that this is going to go in like it could go in a few different directions here so I was yeah I was pretty game (laughs) once you're in there like you can't look away once once this film's kicked off it's like a drug in itself it's addictive where yeah. is this going to go i didn't expect it to go where it, where it did i went in pretty <laughs> blind just with the title shocking so this drug uh, and i like the idea of the drug as well you're going to swap pain for happiness so when someone feels pain instead of that pain you're going to feel happiness uh of course the measurements are wrong <laughs> very wrong <laughs> <laughs> but but and that that's where this really quickly sort of kicks off into affecting these three women in different ways and there is one scene with one particular woman coming up that sort of makes everything else seem all right if that was just a warm-up we're actually mm-hmm. into the gore now but yeah. I just wanted to talk a little bit about the the first one where the, you've got the vain woman and yes she is getting pleasure out of hurting herself this in front of a mirror and was visually so shocking and I was very upset with the sound effects rather than the visuals yeah the sound effects are nasty really nasty when she's putting her I'm not I'm not entirely sure what it is it looks like a I don't know maybe like a hair clip or something through her wrist and she begins to kind of snap through the ligaments and you hear like the crunching and the snapping of a band don't you yeah like it's very very clever the, the way it's all put together and I thought is this going to go too far for me I haven't got your your stamina <laughs> so I was like oh no is this going to go too far have I gone too far in my my viewing and I was like no you've just seen a Serbian film come on Paul like pull your bootstraps <laughs> up so yeah seeing through this and then all of a sudden you're looking at her and she's loving what she's doing but in her mind, she knows, you can tell that she knows that this is an awful thing that's taken place. Um, yeah. But she's loving it. She's loving doing it. All of a sudden, you're exploring addiction, self-harming. All this is coming together in, in one scene. I thought, wow, I didn't expect like any anything to happen except splatter, Japanese craziness sort of thing. Just having known the director and having seen... Lolita vibrates the torture I had a feeling that it was it was gonna get um and actually he's got quite a his his filmography is just the titles alone are you don't need to see most of the films if you look at the titles I read out a lot of them to my boyfriend this morning he was like what is this director um a lot of them are called like 
genuine rape and rape of a schoolgirl. And I think there's oh one that's word. like lesbian big tits eater of giant boobs or honestly like crazy. Um, so I had a feeling it might get a little bit deeper th- than that and a little bit worse. But I do have to just <laughs> say on your point, it is um, it was really interesting because it does dive into like quite some deep topics even though it's like you know splattery and gory you know what you're saying about like self-harm and vanity and the obsession that I was like oh I was like there's actually quite quite a lot to unpack with uh with what's happening here which which I was pleasantly surprised at and it does it in such a short running time as well uh, again really effective I wouldn't want this to to be strung out over two hours like I was very happy with this really tight and impactful film i think i skipped over the uh the, the greedy woman that battered her hand um <laughs> so that was odd so she's covered her hand in batter in the deep fat fryer uh, yeah. and then starts chomping down on herself that i sort of could see coming like with that little setup scene of them all showing their tropes and yeah. that's when i thought oh I'm, I'm in for this sort of film and it was the cutting scene with the vain woman that sort of got me thinking oh actually this isn't that yeah but then we hit like the gore the the (laughs) what the I guess now I've been through it and I've gone online and seen what people think of the film it's all around this character uh Rika so initial thoughts uh sitting through that scene please run it by me now you've seen so much like this before but I haven't. So like, what were your thoughts? Were you like, oh, here we go? Or were you like, oh, my word? <laughs> um, I guess a bit of both. Uh, I mean, it's like the whole, f- in a way, the whole film's quite shocking. Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, that scene at, for me, the scene at the the dinner table where she's, where, because is that one Rika? Is she Rika, um, the one that eats herself? No, she's the other no, girl. No, she's not. She? My apologies. Yeah, she's not. Yeah. Um, but she, that scene where she begins to devour herself is, my God, it's, yeah, it's quite for long. Because like you said, obviously, she starts with um, battering her hand, but she actually goes on, doesn't she, to snip off um, her, I think the correct terminology is her labia. Uh, which she then starts to eat and then she also goes ahead and gouges out her eye uh, and eats that as well and I mean I have seen quite a lot of you know gory nasty films but I think that maybe the differences and maybe why this one was a little bit more shocking in a way is that a lot of those other films there's pain like it's you know it's torture these people don't want to do what's you know whatever's happening to them is they're not enjoying it it's horrible whereas she is having just a blast of a time munching down on herself like she is she's going for it isn't she 100% I was actually shocked you know people will say (laughs) oh I I was that was shocking no that was shocking (laughs) I I watched this uh, in two different sittings both on my lunch break at work <laughs> and <laughs> blimey, it got to the nipple scene where she, she oh. off the nipple and yeah. 
and eats it like it's this most delicate, most <laughs> tasty treat. And there is no pain. This is pure joy. She's in ecstasy of yeah. this is the tastiest food. Uh, I'm in pain at the same time and this pain doesn't hurt. It's wonderful. As I said, it's making me think of all sorts of different things because as you're saying, they're, the screams are of ecstasy. They're not of pain. This is like Clive Barker dream stuff yeah. right now. Yeah. I was very impressed also with the visual effects of the eyes because usually with these uh, films, they're very slapdash with some of the effects um, I know a lot of work goes into them, but you can always see the the, the stitches, if you will. Or, or, but yeah, not so much true. here. And just with a little pump of the blood trickling out of the eye um, when it was done. Again, really impressive. We're talking 1996. So um, there's there's no CGI. This is all practical. Um, yeah. And I've watched it several times since. And I can't see the seams, so I'm I'm well happy. They are, yeah. No, you're right. I mean, the the, the effects in here are like fantastic. Um, but there was quite a. I mean, I guess during kind of like the 80s and the 90s, there were a, a few Japanese films similar to this one as well. Um, I'm thinking like Guinea Pig Flowers of Flesh and Blood, where the the special effects that they had was just like so phenomenal I mean even better than some of the stuff you see now and now they've you know we've definitely got better technology to cover up like you said those little seams you might see or you know I've definitely watched some films nowadays and I'm like that is ketchup and it is bad and you probably should have just not bothered with it at all whereas yeah it's um I would I would love to know what they made that eye out of because when I was watching it I was like hmm I was like it looks really good and I was like she was really munching it I wonder what they made it out of so that the actress could really just kind of mm, get into it. <laughs> That's it. Well you hear horror stories of what directors put their actors through and you're just right thinking, all right what could that be <laughs> but you're right that every everything about it is sort of realistic uh, yeah, I, I, I hesitate to say realistic, but that's as close as I can get that. As I say, I can't see the seams. I'm believing it because the whole setup with the drug is now in play. Um, yep. I don't really know even today. I wouldn't show someone this. Um, and so look, <laughs> you need to see this. This is fantastic. But at the same time, I want to shout out to people. You've got to watch this because this is this is awesome. Uh, let's talk about Rika, whose name I got wrong. I, I do apologise about that earlier on. That's all right. Um, but yeah, so she's a really interesting character because this drug isn't affecting her in the same way. I, yeah. I love that she uh, can't sleep, so she hooks up to a cactus uh, somehow. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, she like... I. <laughs> I think that was one of the part of the films where I was like, I'm just going to kind of not pay too much attention to the cactus because I don't understand the cactus whatsoever. <laughs> but I think what I was thinking on that will come out at the end. There'll be there'll be a nice payoff. Uh, not really. No, yeah. no, that was. I think uh, <laughs> I think the ca cactus gets abandoned, doesn't it? And by the end, it's like the cactus was it was just a cactus that helped her to sleep they just had a cactus on set and bang there you go that's it okay right but okay I thought you might be like oh yeah that cactus <laughs> that no, no. Okay. <laughs> so like swinging right to the end of the film 
she is the final girl. She yep. is lo- loving whatever this drug has done to her. It goes sort of like Mad Maxi in feel. All of a sudden, she's on her bike and she's spreading this over the town, city, country that she lives. And what a wonderful ending, first of all, that they've actually yeah. continued the story a little bit. I wondered what you would think of such a thing because all of a sudden it's wrapped the film up in sort of a nice bow and it's given it almost a Hollywood type ending tagged on the end. Yeah. You don't get a lot of that in a lot of the films that you've recommended to me in the past. So, <laughs> how, how did that go down with you? Were you happy with that ending? I actually really liked the ending. Like most of the other films, they end quite you know it's quite abruptly and like really blunt and bleak and you kind of left just going oh that's yeah usually you need like a little palate cleanser after a lot of the films I watch and I'm just sat there going I'm a bit miserable now to be honest um probably why I'm like borderline alcoholic you know because I'm like I just need a goddamn drink after that so I actually really liked that it was like quite a even though Rika turns out to be not the nicest person in the world um she seemed to have a bit of a happy ending because after all she was you know she was kind of exploited uh by the son who drugged her without her knowing but um I liked it I liked the the Mad Max feel I was like this is cool she's cool it set it up for a, a nice sequel like this could go yeah. anywhere imagine imagine a whole city <laughs> full of people oh, going God. through this what, what a 10 Carnage. minute scene <laughs> it would be awful uh, in the best way the final question I've got about this and this is the bit of the film that I didn't understand and I'm really hoping that you might have picked something up from it so we've got his uh dead mum so his mum dies halfway through the film and yeah. his dad had died before the film starts so we've got these two characters both dead and there's one scene where the the dead dad goes I think into the open womb yep of the dead mum <laughs> and then goes right inside it and seals himself in <laughs> and it's sort of isolated from the rest of the film mm-hmm. and I've had a look online and I couldn't find much at all about this so I have actually come up with like a wild kind of huge not like a theory but bring it <laughs> I was like, I mean, halfway through, I was like, oh, I'm not, because obviously you sent me with the question. Halfway through, I was like, oh, I'm not not sure I'm going to get anything out of this. And then um, we got to that scene, and I was like, oh, shit, I think it's all just come together for me. So... Um, so basically the son he he lives with his mum and it's just him and the mother and we see that the dad actually goes missing when during a flashback when the mum is pregnant and they're at the beach and he turns to her and he says um, oh it's going to be a boy Uh, it's going to be exactly like me it's going to grow up to be a scientist it's going to essentially be me and then he goes off into the sea and he disappears and that's him kind of that's where he supposedly dies then she names the son after the dead husband the son also goes into uh, science like the dad there's also a interesting scene where he tries to kiss his mum for (laughs) some unknown reason (laughs) 
Yeah, and I was like, don't understand that. He also calls the drug my son, um, like my son. So what I started to become to think about when the dad climbs into her and goes into her womb, and then at the end of the film as well, because Rika is she actually got impregnated by I think he's called like Elijah or Alika or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. She actually got impregnated by him during their sex scene before she murders him. And what a and strange she, sex scene. Oh, ugh, I was like, that is one of the most <laughs> uncomfortable sex scenes ever. Um, and then she is obviously seen at the end with her son, which has got the same name as uh, the, the father. And I suddenly started kind of putting it together almost as if this, um, that it's maybe a bit of a message around mothers and how sons are never a true replacement to a father however when a father is absent a son often feels as if they have to be the man of the house and step into the shoes of um hence why you know there's this generational thing of always having to call you know the son junior of and they have so many expectations placed on them but at the end of the day a mother never, never loves her son like she loves her husband um and I thought it was kind of just talking about so it's less of a theory but I think it's talking about kind of those like mother-son relationships and the fact that you know a son doesn't replace your husband no matter how much you love your son so that's where I got to it with it and I was like I don't know if I've gone off on one but I can see that like you're right with that kiss that's a really strange moment in the film Mm. again that doesn't seem to fit unless you are coming from that angle um, yeah. be- because why else would that happen that wasn't just a see you later mum I'm out of here kiss no it's uh let's get <laughs> it, it was loaded that was yeah. a loaded kiss <laughs> bloody hell um okay fucking fantastic thank you so much for that I honestly That's right. <laughs> I'm so excited about horror films again and this this has been like one of my little Hicks. so thank you so much for coming on to the program thank you for having me it's been amazing and uh, th- thank you also for finally getting me to watch uh, splatter naked blood because it's <laughs> it's honestly it's gone down as one of my my favorites and i've i've got some things i want to write about it so thank you for that <laughs> and thanks so much to zoe for that i hope we get to speak to her again she's one of the best out there doing this as well as her new horror site ghouls magazine she's just begun another season of her own podcast that is called zobo with a shotgun and on that she explores extreme horror in all its guises Now, this is a really interesting part of this. Uh, Let's talk about the soundtrack just a little, because I couldn't find it anywhere. And because you can only watch this on YouTube right now, what you can hear of the soundtrack, it sounds okay, but you can't really tell 100%. That is until you get to the end credit scene. Check this out.
I mean, how weird and janky is that? This is messed up. I love it. It's just completely wonky. Now, the only information that I could gather up was that this one was composed by a human being, that's as far as I'm willing to go, <laughs> called Kimitaki Hiroka. Now, I think that is how it's pronounced. That's what Google told me. But Google's been known to lie. As I say, this end credit sequence, it's a wobbly nightmare. And it suits this movie so well. It suits it down to a T. It's clearly not for everyone. But then Ivers the movie. This is unique and it's mentally jarring. Uh, yeah, I'm a real fan of it. I've actually listened to this one quite a lot since I've converted it to an MP3. So where can you find this movie? Well, as I've already said, you can only find this one on YouTube. For some unfathomable reason it is still uncensored i've no idea how you haven't got to even click on there to say you're 18 you can just watch your thing from beginning to end i hope that nobody that listens to this is so triggered by the film that they mention it to youtube i love these films that just go under the radar and stay on there forever this one has been on there for ages it just happens sometimes and i love it uh, as for podcasts i could only find two of those but luckily, that's all I give on this podcast anyway, so here we go. Let's begin with Two Soup Special with The Butt and Friends. And Butt is B-U-T-T. That was from October 2020. Plus, from June 2020, Sleezoids podcast. They pair it up with Necromantic 2. Of course they do. Splatter, Naked, Blood. Every you do. 